Yo! Yo! What, what up, what up, what up? What up, man? Mm. Good I'm to see lot, you. Man. Yeah, Guess man, what? Good to see you. Guess what? What? Just got my student loans approved. I'm going back to college. What are you talking about? Probably be the cool kid now. The old kid people come to for advice. Going back to college? Yeah. Okay. And still doing this? Yeah, till I, yeah, till I get my degree. What? Yeah, man. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot of work, though, man. Yeah, I know, but I don't know, man. I was just thinking about what you had said and just other things, and yeah, I got to work harder. I don't want to be lazy. What? I go, yeah, I want to go back and be an engineer like I was going. Well, I should go ahead and baptize you right now. <laughs> I don't even know how to do it, but that's cool, man. So you're going to do both. That's a lot of work. Yeah. All right, man. That's what's up, bro. Well, I'm proud of you, man. I'm super proud of you, and uh, about time you get up off your butt. Well, I'm just playing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just playing. But, dude, uh, I don't know. Um, I guess just stopping by because I was in the area again, but I don't know. I uh, I got some good news, too. Oh, yeah, what's up? Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna try to go to church, man. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to give it a shot. So yeah. this stuff has changed my heart, man, and I don't know. Uh, you want to come with me? You're I not going to come with no, me? No, I just, no. I don't really want to go. After all the... All right. You're going to go to college, but you can't go to church. I, yeah. All right. Because at college, I'm going to get something called a degree. Okay. At church, they will take my money. Then I need to pay for my college. All right, dude. Well, I just wanted to come by. No, that's cool, the, man. No, I'm happy for you. I am. All right. Well, I'm happy for Equally you, Equally happy. So you just... You, do your thing and I'll do my thing and then we're, we'll be good, right? All right. Well, hey, man, if you change right, your mind. All right. All right. Change your mind. I'm going. All right, man. Later. I like this thing. You stopping by. Congratulations, seeing me man. at work. Yeah. Anytime. Makes me well, feel. Maybe not. It just makes me feel special. You are. Peace. All right. Later. All right. Later. All right. We get to see. We got to see Austin and Jarrell again. And uh, we got one more week with them. Next week will be the last one. Uh. And so in this one, we, decide, we saw that Austin decided to do one hard thing, and that is go to college. Uh, Jarrell decided to do a hard thing, which was for the first time in his life, to try going to church and to find a church. And, uh, so, and that's what we're looking at today, the easy road and the hard road. The easy and the hard. Let's pray. Uh, oh, Lord, we are here today because we need something. We, we realize there's something beyond ourselves that we need in our lives. And uh, we're looking to you. We're looking toward the community that you create here um, to, to supply something that is lacking. And so, Lord, continue to pour into us your life, your presence, your love, your Holy Spirit, so that we can have that which... Only you can give us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, seven years ago, Nebraska astronaut Clay Anderson came to our church. Was any of you here for that? You remember that? Yeah, a lot of you. Uh, anyway, the, the Clay came and he, he talked to the kids in Sunday school both hours. And then in the second half of each hour, uh, we came in here and I interviewed Clay about what it was like to experience God in space. And uh, Clay and I knew each other from way back. Uh, we're both from Ashland, so we knew each other from Little League Baseball and high school band. 
And in his book, The Ordinary Spaceman, uh, Clay relays what it was like to live 152 days in space. And so there he is, you know, kind of floating around everywhere he goes, you know. Wouldn't that be fun? Even to try that for a little bit. But he did it for 152 days. And, and aboard the, the International Space Station, Clay had to continue to do his strength training in special ways that the astronauts do that. But when he returned to Earth, his muscles were still not prepared for the effects of gravity. When, when he got back, he could stand, but he couldn't walk very well. At, at the very beginning, all he could do was just like this, a little bit of a shuffle. Uh, Clay says that he slept really well that first night back on Earth. He says he woke up uh, nine hours later in the exact same position he fell asleep, you know. Uh, didn't move at all. And, it, and then when he woke up, it took him a few minutes for his brain to be able to coordinate with his muscles to be able to get himself out of bed. And he said that his body felt gargantuan because it felt so heavy. And when he tried to shave, he was so weak that uh, he couldn't put a razor up to his face without his other arm helping out. Life without resistance Life without challenges makes you weak. And life following Jesus is not going to be easy. It means sacrifice, not softness. It, it, uh, it means courage, not complacency. It'll call out the best in you, the most in you, all that you have. This fall, we're digging into Jesus' most famous message, the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus begins by meeting us where we are. We are poor in spirit. Uh, and he blesses us. We, we mourn and he comforts us. Uh, we're weak and he gives us hope. We hunger for a higher life and he fills us. He says, blessed are you. And then Jesus walks with us. We start at the bottom of the mountain and he walks with us to a higher elevation, to a higher way of living. And uh, so here's the quick summary that I have uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, from where it begins in Matthew chapter 5 up until about the mid part of uh, chapter 7 where we are today. First, we eliminate insults like they're murder. We let go of lust like it was adultery. We honor marriage, divorcing for the only the most serious reasons. We never use God or God's creation to swear an oath. We refuse to get, even, uh, get revenge. We respond to hate with love. We pray for people who make our lives hard. Going on. We give, pray, and fast without calling attention to ourselves. We pray for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done. We pray to be forgiven and forgiving. We willingly downsize to bless others. We trust God that we'll have enough. We, we lead the way with love, not judgment. We treat others the way we would like to be treated. Sound easy? No. Sounds impossible. But Jesus says it is possible. He promises to make it possible. He promises to walk with you step by step to the top of the mountain. 
So grab your Bible, if you would, right now, uh, and open it to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start with verse 13. And uh, in the Pew Bible, uh, that's at the bottom of page 971. And if you're here today and you wish you had a Bible, uh, then that Pew Bible in your hand, just take it home. Now you have one, okay? Uh, next Sunday, by the way, will be our last Sunday on the Sermon on the Mount. And if you uh, want to catch previous messages, you can do that on our website, our app, or our podcast. Okay? Now, in verses 13 and 14, Jesus takes us to a fork in the road. He says, enter through which gate? The narrow gate. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. In ancient times, cities like Jerusalem were surrounded with high walls. That was its defense. And around the perimeter of those walls were gates that could be, you know, drawn shut at night or in case of attack. And in Jerusalem, they had about a dozen, I think, or so. And, and in, they had the valley gate, the fountain gate, the sheep gate, the dung gate, which was downwind, <laughs> and other gates. Uh, and each gate opened to a road toward a destination. Some gates were narrow opening to a narrow, lesser-traveled road. Other gates were wide and leading to a wide road traveled by many. And so Jesus uses these images to warn us. He says, when you follow him, don't expect the majority to go with you. One of Jesus' disciples later wrote this to his sisters and brothers in Christ. He said, they are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. Jesus says, okay, be ready for that. He issues a warning. Don't take the wide road. Beware of the popular path. It is the road to ruin. Take the narrow path. That's where I'll be. That's the way of life. But you might find yourself complaining, Jesus, why is your road so narrow? What's, I mean, what's wrong with the wide road? Think of all the people that you're leaving out. And the answer is, he's not leaving out anybody. They're leaving themselves out, and it breaks his heart. It breaks his heart when they take the road to ruin. He wants everybody to find the path to life. Or you might have another complaint. Jesus, I, I thought it was supposed to be easy to be a Christian. Why are you making it so hard? And here's the answer. When you belong to Jesus, you find that mercy is wide, discipleship is narrow. It's like a funnel. Mercy is wide, discipleship is narrow. Let's say it together, shall we? Mercy is wide, discipleship is narrow. And Jesus begins with wide mercy. When he meets us, we are, we are poor in spirit. We, we are 
empty. We are, uh, it, we are stuck in our sin and our grief. And then he blesses us. And he gives us God's kingdom. And we sing Amazing Grace because there is a wideness in God's mercy. But that's only part of salvation. It doesn't end there. It begins with receiving mercy, and then he takes us to a new life. Salvation means receiving wide mercy and practicing narrow discipleship. And narrow doesn't mean narrow-minded. It's narrow because it's very specific. Jesus is very specific about what it means to follow him. And it's not going to be the easy way. If you're looking for easy, there are a lot of churches you could go to. Some that will say, yeah, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what you live, how you live. Morality is just purely a matter of preference. Churches that say, well, we don't really talk about what Jesus said about, you know, angry insults and lustful looking because we don't want to sound judgmental. Churches that say, well, we don't really call people to downsize their lifestyle because we don't want to ruffle any feathers. If that's the kind of church you're looking for, you'll probably find it. But I know here at Faith Westwood, we want to make mercy as wide as Jesus made it, and we want to make life as his disciples as narrow and as specific as he made it. One of the things that we've done here at Faith Westwood recently to um, help us grow as disciples is we've introduced a, a question to our faith groups uh, to ask uh, in their group session. I, I know our group is doing it. I hope a lot of our groups are, have incorporated this. The question is this. Is there something you'd like to ask the group to hold you accountable to? And um, so, you know, I hope that if you're in a group, you'll, you'll be asking that question, kind of going around the circle every week or two, uh, and you don't have to answer. You can just say no. There isn't anything right now. But what I have found is that most of us have something we would like to be held accountable to. And it can be anything. Nothing's too big or too trivial. And in, and in my group, when we ask the accountability question, we have seen some amazing depth of sharing. We've seen some genuinely healing moments. Accountability works because we know that we will always receive wide mercy from each other, right? And accountability is important because we're all on a journey of discipleship, which is life defined by Jesus. So if you're going to follow Jesus, then I say, go all the way. You know, take the narrow road, lean on him, learn from him, because that's the path that leads to life. Here's another way to say it. Following Jesus is never convenient. Never going to be convenient. I mean, think about the things Jesus said. Going the second mile, convenient? No. Being a peacemaker, not convenient. Praying for a person who makes your life miserable, <laughs> not convenient. Treating someone the way you'd like to be treated, convenient? No. Following Jesus is never going to be convenient. It's never going to be easy. 
but it is life. This is the life that God made you for. Um, you know, over the decades, you know, I've been really impressed with, you know, the Husker football team's sellout record, right, since 1962, whatever. And, I, and I've also been impressed about how inconvenient it is to be a diehard Husker fan. Really? I mean, think about it. You have to make a hefty donation before you can buy your tickets. You have to park miles away. You have to work your way through crowds. It's inconvenient to stick together in all kinds of weather sitting on 18 inches of a plank, right? But fans endure all of this inconvenience because of their devotion. So I ask, how much more will Deep Daring Daily Disciples endure because of their devotion to the Lord? And don't let anybody lead you astray from that devotion. Don't let anybody lead you astray from that devotion. If your Bible's still open, uh, let's uh, look at the next paragraph, which is uh, the one, that's in the heading in the NIV says, uh, true and false prophets, uh, starting on verse 15, which is in the Pew Bible, the next page. Uh, and now a prophet is anyone who speaks to the people on behalf of God, right? False prophets lead people astray for the sake of their own advantage. They look like the real thing. They sound like the real thing. But Jesus says, watch out, because beneath their sheep-like exterior, they are wolves. They'll devour you, smack their lips, and then look for their next victim. In the news this fall, hundreds of women have reported being sexually harassed and assaulted by men in the workplace. And maybe a lot of you have seen this, hashtag me too. Have you seen that? Predators use their power to silence their victims. It breaks my heart. And it breaks my heart to know that there have been times and places where this has happened in church. In the past, I've been asked by my bishop to, in, to interview people who may have been abused by their pastor. Conducting these interviews has been sad for me, but I'm also honored that our conference takes every allegation seriously. Jesus says, watch out. There will always be wolves dressed up as sheep, so be on your guard. And then he switches metaphors uh, to grapes and thorn bushes, figs and thistles. And his point is that you're only going to recognize these false prophets by their fruit. So in the spring, you know, you see these blooming beautiful trees. And if you're like me, I don't know what kind of tree it is. But when summer comes, you can tell, I can even tell what kind of tree it is by its fruit. It's a peach tree, a pear tree, an apple tree. And with people who claim to speak for God, you may not know at first what kind of person this is, what kind of person you're dealing with, so keep a close eye. False prophets prey on others for their ego needs. 
They cultivate a culture of adoration and admiration upon themselves. Jesus says, watch out. Danger here. In verse 20, he says, thus by their fruit you will recognize them. So, you have to be a fruit inspector. Yeah. You have to know, you have to know when you're being led astray down, down a wide road instead of the narrow road. You have to know when you're under the influence of a predator. Throughout this series, we've been publishing the Daily Mountain Time Guide, which you can get from our app or from your faith group leader. And this week, we posed the question, when a megachurch pastor owns a, a multi-million dollar mansion and flaunts a lavish lifestyle, what does that say to you? Think about that. What does that say? A couple years ago, a pastor in Seattle was forced to step down. After it was revealed, he secretly billed his church for 30,000 copies of his new book because he wanted it to be an instant bestseller. Some friends of mine worshipped at a non-denominational church in Chicago, and after a while, they picked up on this, this kind of crazy culture of non-disclosure about the church's finances. And anybody who asked too many questions was accused of being disloyal to the leadership and kind of forced out. And so, thinking things were getting a little creepy, they left the church, and, and then sometime later, all of that came crashing down. By their fruit, you will recognize them. But I also want you to know that being a disciple isn't all about hardship either. I have a friend who, who would tell you that he led a really pretty hard life before he found Jesus. He said, you know, life is so much easier now. And, and I know what he meant because he had begun to experience some of the, the results of going down the wide road. He had begun to experience some of the destruction in his life. It was hard to hold his life together. And, and, and then when he came to Jesus, he began to, to experience the, the joy and the peace and the love from that and, and walking with the Lord on the narrow road. And he said, it is good. He said, really, in some ways, my life is easier than it was before. I know a woman who was uh, raised by a rigid, controlling father, and they went to a rigid, controlling church. Grace was just a word, not a reality. Well, she eventually broke away, and, and some years later, she discovered who Jesus really is, and it was like a weight was lifted. It's like Jesus said, my burden is light. Maybe some of you before today, you'd really never thought about how there is a wide mercy for you. Jesus is ready to meet you right where you are. His mercy is wide enough for you. Uh, you're never too much of a sinner. You're, you're never too much of anything. He says, come with me. And in his wide mercy, he believes in you. No, believes in you. You know, we talk a lot about believing in Jesus, but first of all, he believes in you. He believes in what you can become and, and who you were made to be. And he's calling you to say, come on with me. Let's walk this narrow road together. And so today, I'm here 
on his behalf to ask you, which road are you taking? Today, you can begin to take the road with him. He's calling you. He cares about you. Today, you can say, yes, Jesus, I know that you are the one who lead, will lead me on the path of life. That's where I want to be. That's what I need. And you can do that. You can begin that today. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you for, for how much you care about us, that you would warn us uh, uh, against the path that leads to destruction, and you would, you would show us the path that leads to life. And Jesus, we know that you're on that path, and you would walk it with us step by step. You know our weaknesses, you know our faults, and, and our, our, how easily we fall astray, but you're, you're so faithful to us. And Lord, I believe that there are some here who have been sort of looking at you and this whole journey uh, of disciples, being a disciple from, the, from a distance. And uh, maybe a little bit of curiosity, but not really engaged. And so if that's where you are, and if you say today, yes, I am ready. I, I've been feeling this stirring within me, and I, I want to begin. And so, Lord, receive them in your arms. In your wide mercy, just welcome them and say, let's walk together in this new path. Jesus, that's where we are. That's who we want to be. We want to walk with you. Thank you for receiving us just as we are and for believing in us that we, could, that we can walk with you. So, Jesus, thank you for, for listening to us, for, for making a promise that we can count on. We want to walk with you forever. In your name we pray. Amen.